0: Welcome back to another episode of GEMS Podcast. I'm your host, Genesis Amaris Kemp, and with me today is Nigel Beckles, and we're going to dive into all things relationships. But before we do, here is a bit about Nigel. He is the author of How to Avoid Making the Big Relationship Mistakes. That book came out in 2015. He's a certified relationship coach, speaker, workshop facilitator, and relationship specialist. He advocates for victims and survivors of domestic abuse, contributor to the award-winning movie documentary, Looking for Love, now available on DVD and available on Amazon. And then he also has some other incredible things that he's doing. Like, for example, he has his own podcast called the Nigel Beckle Podcast, and he interviews quite some extensive people. I was even a guest on his podcast a while ago and he was the former presenter at Choice FM London UK for 10 years and without further ado help me do the honor and welcoming Nigel Beckel to GEM's podcast.
1: Hi Genesis nice to be with you.
0: Pleasure of having you, Nigel. So let's jump into all things relationship. What made you want to become a relationship coach and why are you a relationship expert?
1: Well, I'll try and give you the short answer. Uh, In my youth, when I was growing up, I witnessed domestic violence um, when I was growing up. And that had quite an impact on me as an adult. Um, My book is called How to Avoid Making the Big Relationship Mistakes, because I've made most of them myself, (laughs) if not all of them. Uh, And I also seem to have an affinity for people approaching me, asking me about relationship issues. So initially, I started the book more as a journaling exercise to kind of work out for myself where I'd gone wrong in the past. And then it kind of blossomed into a book in the sense that when I'm journaling, sometimes I ask myself questions. Well, if I don't have the answer, then you go and do some research, see if you can get to the bottom of it. So in the end, after five years of research and 800 page book draft, um, I found a very good editor and um, she got my book down to 400 pages, which was okay. Um, in the sense that I had material left over for my second book, well, second and third, because my I'm working on two books this for this year. one is um how to avoid abusive Relationships, and the other one is exposing the narcissist in relationships. So, and those that that's probably taken me about four years, but, as I said, I already had, kind of material left over from the first book draft so it hasn't been too bad and yes so after I wrote the book um, I became a certified relationship coach and after doing five years of research um, that wasn't too onerous because I've already done the work Um, yes I became a certified relationship coach and I also have a psychology of relationships diploma And a dealing with narcissism diploma. So, yeah, so that's really how I got into the whole relationship area. And I think another thing is as well, I started a a Facebook group about 10 years ago called uh, Reflections on Relationships. And people were joining the group, assuming it was a support group, which is not what I set it up for. I set it up as a kind of debating group to kind of debate relationship issues. So myself and a friend of mine had a conversation and we said, well, why don't we set up a support group so if people join the debating group, we can signpost them to the support group. So we've done that. That's about 10 years ago now, and we've got 20,000 plus members in the support group, which is called Reflections on Abusive Relationships.
0: Wow, incredible. And I want to dive a little bit deeper into your personal side, if you don't mind, because you said you grew up and you grew up witnessing and pretty much being in a situation that was around, you know, domestic abuse and violence. And I want to know how did that affect you personally as well as professionally? Because sometimes when you grow up in those different environments, you really don't know what you don't know, if that makes sense. And sometimes people are stuck in an environment and that environment becomes a part of who they are because that's all you know. And you may not have seen another example of what a loving relationship should be. So when you were growing up in that situation, what did you do to cope? And did you have a saving grace
1: What did I do to cope? Well, that's a very difficult question because when you're a young child, you have no control of your environment. Your environment is dictated to you. And it's not to say there was domestic violence every week, uh, but at the same time, when you're a young child of five, six years old and you're trying to uh, protect your mother and obviously failing uh, (laughs) as a young boy, uh, that had an effect on me in the sense that I started training in martial arts at about 11 and I was obsessed with martial arts. I was Bruce Lee's biggest fan in my bedroom. All you could see is Bruce Lee pictures and posters. Uh, And I didn't really understand at the time that subconsciously I was training to protect my mother. And there was a confrontation with my father when I was about 16 And I'm not proud to say it, but I kicked his da-da-da-da. So, and I didn't see him again for about eight years. Um, I think, well, I know, um, part of of the aftermath of my experience of witnessing domestic violence was when I was a child, I would be the one to comfort my mother after a a fight. So I'd be the one wiping her tears and wiping her blood from her nose, etc., and I only realised many years later that if a woman started crying in front of me, it would trigger me again on, on a subconscious level. Um, so if a woman started crying, I'd just be like putty in her hands, basically. Uh, so, yeah, that was a uh, that was part of it. The other part was. I felt abandoned as a child, so. I always swore I would never abandon any child that I had. Uh, That led me into a a very short-lived marriage. But out of the marriage, after I left, uh, my ex-wife said she was pregnant with my child, and she knew I wouldn't abandon a child of mine. So (laughs) so she put my name on the birth certificate, um, but she wouldn't allow me to see the child. So I had to go to court to gain access. So I was having him every other weekend. And then on one particular visit, effectively, she overplayed her hand. And I decided to get a DNA test. And so behind her back, I would act, because she would never agree to it anyway. So anyway, I raised the um, DNA test and the test came back and he wasn't my child.
0: Wow, that is mic dropping there. And it's kind of sad that people would take someone's kindness and play on their weakness. And since she already knew the type of man that you were and are, and you would never abandon her child, she felt like maybe... okay I got him right where I want him and so by you stepping outside and doing a DNA test for your own protection and also for a peace of mind you start to see how everything unfolds did you feel like that triggered you
1: well there was an aftermath to that because effectively what I would say my doctor said to me because my doctor took the actual blood sample and my doctor said to me at the time I should have counselling uh, before the DNA results come back. But man being a man, don't want to listen, just wanted the results. Uh, so I got the results. Obviously, they were negative. And um, then I went through a bereavement process. But I didn't understand I was going through a bereavement process, effectively. Then I had trust issues. So if I when I became involved with someone else I would never let them get too close to me on an emotional level so that took me about six seven years to work through that and again I didn't have any counselling my only saving grace was that I'm very interested in psychology but I'm quite sure that if I had been to counselling I would have got through the whole process of healing and recovery a lot quicker than I actually did
0: so question there. Let's let's unpack this because you're very interested in psychology, but you never felt the need to go to a counselor, a therapist, or et cetera. So what was your reasoning for not going to a trained professional in the field, but you are already very interested in psychology? Did you feel like maybe they would judge you or you just felt like you didn't want to let anyone in on your personal struggles and you were just going to deal with it on your own because maybe you felt like you were a subject matter expert on psychology and you may
1: have Mm. had. Not really, I wouldn't call myself. I said I was interested in psychology. I would never claim to be a psychology expert, but part of what helped me through my journey of recovery was a lot of reading, a lot of research. Um, The other thing is as well, Obviously, I'm a guy and there's something called guy code. So guys tend to want to talk about cars or work or sports. They don't really talk generally. They don't really talk about their uh, emotions too too much because effectively they're scared of being judged by their peers. They don't want to appear weak or not to be masculine, etc. The other part of that is. Obviously I live in the UK and I'm sure you've heard of the the saying stiff up a lip old chap and all of that. So it's just like you soldier on. And the other thing about UK in America, what I noticed therapists, it's very a natural thing for someone to go to a therapist or a a counselor. Uh, Not so much here. It's getting better here, but the culture in America seems more open to like, you know, going to, if you're struggling with something, you know, go and talk to someone, someone professional, preferably. Uh, Yeah, so a combination of things there where I didn't go and get counselling, but on reflection, I certainly should have gone and and had it. And there's also, you know, that male pride thing. I mean, obviously I'm older and wiser now. I mean, if I could go back and do it again, I would certainly in the aftermath of receiving the dna results i would certainly if i could go back in time i would certainly do it differently
0: beautiful and i'm glad that you said that because it drives me to the next part of the segment because now where you are now as a relationship coach an overcomer from dealing with you know how you grew up as a child and you know getting over that and now you work with people to help them in their relationships, what are some of the tools and resources you give them to overcome maybe narcissistic abuse, maybe To help them escape a domestic violence situation, because we all know that sometimes some people don't make it out of a domestic Mm -hmm. violence situation. So you have the survivors and then you have the ones that, you know, lost their life because they were too afraid to speak up or get help or whatever the case may be. And we need to do our part and help encourage as well as empower someone that you don't have to take what you have been given because you still have power with inside of you but you need to know what power you carry
1: well that's that's a quite a deep question a lot there to unpack in terms of domestic abuse here in the UK prior to COVID on average two women were murdered per week by a partner or ex-partner I'm not sure what what the stats are for America but that's the stats here in the UK in terms of leaving a uh, domestic abusive relationship, there are various support agencies. I'm sure you have them in America too, where you can can get um, support and advice. The most important thing about leaving an abusive relationship is not saying you're planning to leave. Because often what happens is if the person who's being abused announces they are planning to leave, they put themselves at higher risk. Of being abused or being murdered, so so you, you know so there's a there's a checklist that you can find on most domestic abuse websites. It'll tell you, you know things you need to do, the things you need to take with you, like you know important documents, um, etc. But, but the, and they have the checklist because once you leave, you shouldn't need to go back for anything. So you leave lock, stock and barrel. You take everything you need. Obviously, you don't tell your abuser where you're going, uh, because leaving an abusive relationship is one thing, but then you can fall into the scenario that you're being stalked, and you're being harassed, whether that be in person or online. So I always say, if someone's leaving an abusive relationship, they need to um, need to block the person on their social media for starters. They don't tell them where they where they've moved to. Um, Obviously, if someone's working, that can be a little bit more tricky because the abuser may know where the person works. So that means that the person who's leaving or left, they need to tell their employer what their situation is uh, to keep themselves safe, really. Because sometimes leaving is sometimes just the first step, because if someone starts stalking you and, they, you know, people get murdered when they're being stalked.
0: Uh, And this is really heavy and if I could interject Nigel here, I know that from being connected with some people here in the US who are domestic um, violence survivors they've always said to kind of find a key word. Make sure you have a person that you truly trust to confide in that person, some women or as well as men, because it happens both ways. Sometimes you have to go through a identity change where you may have to change your name. You may have to leave the state that you live in. And then you have to cut all ties with anyone who knows you or your past life, because sometimes those people can be used as pawns or links for your abuser to get back to you and locate you. Another thing that you have to do is after you walk away from that um, detriment, you have to seek counseling so you could go through a process of deprogramming because that abuser has already programmed you to think and behave a certain way that instilled fear in you. And now you need to get to a point where you are fearless and you know who you are and you take that power back from that abuser so you can live life on your terms and not on the terms of other people. So you could be fully free. Um, And sometimes with the abuse and correct me if I'm wrong, sometimes with the abuse that could have, you know, mental ties, emotional ties, physical ties and spiritual ties so you have to look for ways of breaking those strongholds off in order for you to gain clarity and a new perspective To really walk into your new identity and who you want to be and who you've always been. Because sometimes when you allow other people to have so much power and control over you, you diminish your true purpose and mission for your life.
1: Well, here's the problem. Abusive relationships don't start off abusive. So many abusers are very charming and charismatic. And if someone walked up to you and said, I'm an abuser, or had a label on their forehead saying, I'm an abuser, you wouldn't get involved in the first place. So it's an insidious process. So the analogy they use often is if you drop a frog into a hot pot of water, the frog will jump straight out. If you drop the frog into a cold pot of water and then heat up that water slowly, the frog will be cooked. And that is very similar to an abusive relationship. It's a gradual thing. And you said um, something very correct there. Yes, um, victims are programmed. Um, And part of what you just said regarding confiding in a friend, which is good advice. However, abusers have tactics. And one of their tactics is isolation. So they will look, you know, eventually they will try and isolate you. Or say they don't like your friend or don't like basically they're trying to cut off any support because if you have got if you have no support, you're easier to control. I also would say that when people talk about domestic abuse, they assume it's violence. And abuse is not always violence. It could be emotional abuse, psychological abuse, mental abuse. And I think in many ways, that type of abuse is worse because A, there's no evidence. Someone punches you in the eye, you, have, you, know, you receive a bruise, but there's no evidence. So at the end of the day, those scars, those emotional scars can take a very long time to heal. A very long time, especially if the, if the person hasn't had the kind of like support and counselling and therapy that they need to recover. So, yeah, so, you know, it's... And the other thing I sometimes find somewhat frustrating is um, people talking about survivors when they haven't actually been through the experience. You, you'll hear a lot of um, victim blaming, for example. Well, why didn't you leave? You know, well, it's not, it's not that easy. And the other factor in terms of leaving is finances. Because there's something called financial abuse. So if someone's if the, if the abuser's controlling all of the, the finances, then where are you gonna where are you supposed to find the resources to actually leave? You know. So once you're all you know getting into it is one thing, but then you don't know. You know. It's, you know I always have great sympathy for um survivors because they didn't sign up for that. That I thought they'd found probably found the love of their life or their, their soulmate or whatever. And then it turns into a nightmare. I know a lady um, I've been supporting and uh, she had to leave her home because she'd gotten involved with an abuser. And as you said, you know, um, the support agency moved her far, far away. So she doesn't live in that area anymore. She was in the refuge for two plus years. And she's only this year, um received accommodation. So, you know, it, it can t- it can take a long time to kind of sort yourself out. Wow. And it's even and it's even more complicated, obviously if you've got children.
0: Yeah. So when we think about all this stuff, one thing that we know is if you're on the outside looking in and you don't really know the full s- the full story, the full situation, never make assumptions because then that could cause the person to shut down versus opening up to you. Another thing to do is, if you have the means to help that individual or you know somebody that could help that individual, do a soft introduction or tread lightly because you never know the fragility of that mm-hmm. that human being. And sometimes instead of, you know, them receiving the help, they may shut down because they're so used to going through certain things psychologically so they may not be in a place where they're receptive to receive that help even though they want to get out and then Nigel as we begin to wind down I want you to think about some gems that will help anyone that is listening to the this segment relationship wise and remember the core pillars of gems podcast is to educate inspire and motivate while we connect the dots of D, E, I, and B, diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging, because we all have a right to be here and we all have something incredible to offer.
1: Well, it depends on which context you wish me to answer. If it's a case of being single and you're looking for a relationship, then I would say the first thing to know is to know yourself effectively a lot of people go into relationships and they're saying uh I'm looking for my other half well that implies 50 percent and there's no point you bringing 50 50 percent of yourself into a relationship um the second thing I would say is there are people who go into relationships seeking unpaid therapy effectively they're expecting their partner to solve all their problems but what I notice is Um, There are people who have a pattern So someone's in an abusive relationship For example, they leave that relationship They get involved with somebody else That person turns out to be an abuser So effectively, the characters are changing But it's the same They're just going through the same dynamic Over and over again So I think people need to take time out When they're single And work on themselves There's no point going into a relationship hoping that the other person's going to fix you. And as you always say, no, they, people say, Oh, everyone's got emotional baggage. Well that depends how much emotional baggage you have. Do you have a carry on suitcase to get on the airplane or do you have a trailer load of baggage? You know? So yeah, just know, work on yourself. That's, that's, that is whether you're in a relationship or not for that matter, because in my opinion, self-development should always be a priority on your list. There's always something new to learn. There's always something new you can work on. Uh, so I always say that we all are pro- a work in progress. It just depends how much progress you've made.
0: Incredible. So know thyself and work on that. Thyself is your gem that you would like to leave. And for anyone listening or viewing this segment, if they want to get in touch with you for you to be their relationship coach or they want to join one of the workshops that you facilitate or etc., plug how they could connect with you on social media and your website.
1: Okay. I'm on Facebook. I'm on LinkedIn. I'm on Instagram. I have a dedicated um, podcast website, um, which is authornigelbeckles.com. So if they went to that website, they can send me a message via that website and it will pop into my um, email inbox. So those are the easiest ways to connect with me.
0: Amazing. And all of Nigel's sh- uh, contact information will be in the show notes below. So there's no excuse for you not to tap in with him. And I definitely want to encourage you whenever you think about being in relationship, remember, you need to be whole and the other person needs to be whole. So you can complete and complement one another. Relationships are work, but never put yourself in a situation where you are abused or that other individual makes you feel less than because you matter, you are valued, you are loved, and you have something amazing to offer. And if that other person does not see your qualities, your characteristics, and they are demeaning you or trying to belittle you, pay attention to the red flags. There's always subtle messages and cues throughout a relationship that you could watch out for. So connect with Nigel, continue to educate yourself, read, and if you need help, seek help from a paid, trained, professional, non-biased person that will give it to you straight. And until we chat next time, peace, love, and lots of blessings. Have yourself an amazing day. You are a masterpiece. You are gifted. You are talented. You are awesomely loved. And make sure you subscribe to the podcast GEMS Podcast on all platforms and our YouTube channel GEMS with Genesis Amaris Kemp Thank you for listening to another segment of GEMS Podcast. Hope you enjoyed this recording. Make sure you like, comment, share and subscribe to GEMS Podcast on your audio platform as well as our YouTube channel GEMS with Genesis Amaris Kemp. We would love for you to be a sponsor